Shop Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave in the shed. Rupert with me is Chris in the booth. Coyer, hey, Chris, where are we blasting off today? <laughs> to outer space, man. The yeah. official theme of technology products. No, we have a guest on today. It's been a while since we've had a guest. The guest is Fred K. Shot. How you doing, Fred? Do well, wait, is Astronaut the first project to use the space theme? I guess it's not. I think uh, I think it was oh, actually... No. Was it Gatsby or no? I think it's the Apollo was the first one. Oh, yeah. Uh, just kidding. Um... <laughs> it's cool though. Y'all do it with 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 great taste, and it's a cool product. If you are a super fan of Shop Talk Show and follow us on YouTube as well, we've um we've done it. We did a little video on Astro because I've I've now have two production sites in it. Not you know they're quote unquote production. They're little baby. They're little babies what, sites that I worked on myself. That is mostly just content, and I could have used anything. But the but the but I didn't use anything. I used Astro because I like the DX of Astro in a big way. And I think it's uh, it's probably my, my personal favorite new site building tool. It would be hard to unseat Astro. So, so good. I, I wish I had bigger projects in it and worked in it all day because it's really a pleasure to use. Um, Fred, you are the... The captain of Astro, yeah, <laughs> the CEO, as it <laughs> I'm, were. I'm one of many contributors, but uh, I am the CEO of the company we formed a couple months ago to help kind of support the long-term uh, sustainability of this project. Right. Astro existed before this company did, right? We go back yeah, a couple of years, actually. If you go all the way back, I mean, you've been, I think, following the story since the early days when we were Pika and then Skypack. So it's been a long story to get to this place. Yes, because I guess that's the first time I, you know, I don't know, was became aware of you or, or whatever was. I think I knew about Snowpack, but probably was a little confused by it because it was weird, you know, and it's but it's not so weird now thinking back on it. You're just ahead of the curve a little bit, kind of a, I guess, a kind of a Webpack competitor, but slightly different and really approached things in a, in a different way. I don't know what the status of that is. Maybe you could give us a two-second thing. Is that all but done? We were a very, uh, very explicit competitor to Webpack. I think our launch post was like, you don't need Webpack anymore. And like in 2019, like it's funny looking back, that was like a very controversial. We might have ended the title with a question mark, so maybe not as explicit, but do you need Webpack anymore? <laughs> that was what we were exploring. And like at the time, that was like, weirdly radical like we got so many like hate comments like of course you need webpack that's the only way web development has ever worked <laughs> How- yeah you were maybe just two years and one pandemic too early <laughs> I, I, I just i think uh but but you know it's proving that people are moving away from it now i don't know what slice snowpack stole from webpack but it, i don't know my guess is probably not much not like what Vite is doing now yeah i was They're, gonna say if you're not familiar with snowpack like we were doing what Vite was doing and Vite just did it way better like i mm-hmm, think looking mm-hmm. back the analogy will probably be if anyone remembers browserify versus webpack mm-hmm. two similar projects webpack just <laughs> took off browserify never really went anywhere I'll humbly admit that we are the browser of the story. Vite's done an awesome job on that project. <laughs> right. So probably don't pick up Snowpack today. There's, you know, just Yeah, go we've officially, train. I mean, all the core maintainers have moved over to Astro. It's not fully archived. We're kind of looking if someone will want to take it over long term. But at this point, it yeah, Vite just keeps improving at a faster and faster clip. And is part of that, it's like the ES build underpinnings, right? You're kind of pre-ES build, I feel like. And so, yeah, I mean, the whole story goes back to, I mean, I was at Google, I mean, this must have been 2015, 2016, and lucky enough to be working on the Chrome team with the Polymer team, actually, the Web Components team. And like, 
that was right when ESM, that like import-export syntax, was coming into the mainstream. Like Chrome had just shipped the first version. No other browsers supported, but like, oh, this is happening. Like developers are already mm-hmm. writing it and then relying on build tools to do it and like process it. And that was probably actually the bigger shift. I think ES Build, like totally, like our whole performance story was built on ES Build being, you know, whatever, 100 times faster than Babel. But it was really the fact that you could, and what Vite does today, ship your code to the browser during development without bundling it and essentially just removing right. a whole chunk of work. So anytime you waited for Webpack to start up, like your dev server, if that ever takes more than like a second, you're not, you know, it could be so much better. Hey, well, don't don't speak in past tense. Some of us are still in that world. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. I know. Dude, join us in space. It's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. In space, you're not, you don't, you don't wait on development servers. That's interesting. But Vite's come a long way. Like their create Vite app kind of story is, I think, getting a lot better. And really, I mean, our biggest problem was always the ecosystems behind. Like packages, I mean, the big problem was packages and NPM were common JS. So we had to do the work to migrate those to ESM. Mm-hmm. So ESM has followed you around as a story because then there was Snowpack, or there's Snowpack, but there's Skypack as well, which I, <laughs> yeah. I very much hope doesn't go anywhere because that's a very useful product, <laughs> for, particularly uh, for CodePen now and now and going forward, which is this kind of tool that's like all of NPM, a little bit like the, what's Michael Jackson's one? The C, it's Unpackaged. not CDNJS, Unpackage, a little bit like that. But Unpackage had this like experimental support for making packages Modules. ESM ready. And it I, I think it's still in that state. They never really got more. Skypack took that and ran with it. They'll make, Skypack makes everything on NPM ESM ready. I mean, aside from packages that don't build or whatever, but for, for the most part, you know, even stuff like React, which famously doesn't ship with a ESM ready version of itself. So super, super cool and, and, and useful. So that's part of the part of the ESM story or whatever. And then and then Astro came out of nowhere for me. It must have been just like, <laughs> I don't know. We don't have to dwell on it because it'd be interesting. to. This is a big week for y'all. You're doing launch week and Astro hit 1.0 and there's lots of exciting stuff that I want to get to. But let's finish the past first and do the, um, you know, what was day one like of Astro? I'll say we hit 1.0 beta. So the 1.0 is still beta. coming in June, but still a huge milestone for us given where we've, we've been from. Um, yeah, I mean, so that goes all the way back to the Pika days, which that, at Google being like, oh, this ESM thing is going to change everything. And there's going to be a lot of work to do if every tool going all the way down your stack has some new change that like the existing set, like Webpack is just, they've had a lot of trouble moving. They've built their entire methodology on on CommonJS and single file bundles. So mm-hmm. it was this idea of a like kind of leapfrog event happening for the entire industry and just there's going to be a lot of work to do. Like, how can we best help with that, fit into that? And, you know, just as an open source maintainer for, like, almost a decade, I was like, I want to be I want to be the guy who maintains Webpack. I want to be that, like, I want to be the Rich Harris of my <laughs> of my decade. Um, all ego-driven, all completely ego-driven. Um, <laughs> but ESM was the story that kind of connected all of this. So Astro was really, I think, us realizing that, yeah, the Skypack CDN is still an idea we love. We still maintain it. It's still growing, but there was a performance story that we were trying to explore that I don't think panned out for production sites, which was if every site that uses Skypack is sharing the same version of React, then the browser is smart enough to cache that across sites. Instead of having a thousand different versions of React in your browser cache as you travel across the web, you have one Mm -hmm. that multiplies across the entire ecosystem and all of a sudden Skypack sites would load, you know, 90% faster was kind of what we were targeting. That's right, it did, it did that. A tough story. It died because 
Yeah, browsers said, "Oh no, sorry, we don't we don't cache that way anymore." Yeah, they all started yeah. double keying the cache, saying that the idea that a a site could see what was in your cache was a basically a fingerprinting vulnerability, which I think is a little bit of a naive take on it. Like, there's things you can do, but I don't disagree with like. Apple's pushed everyone to think more about privacy, and I think that's an inevitable result is let's get the fast solution out first. No one's really using this that much anyway. Like, that we missed. We were too late to almost. I think a couple of years earlier, we could have maybe told that story, but at that point, no one was using it. It was an easy thing for them to cut, and I don't, I don't fault wow, anyone for funny. it. funny. So you're constantly, you're either too late or too early on your things. You threw two darts, one too late, <laughs> one too early. Such is life. Such as life. Point got some investment or whatever and kind of formalized the Astro company. Is that what it's called? And and now and now can do this kind of more. This this one really has struck struck a nerve. Yeah, that was the big. So the end of the story is just we kind of didn't know what to do with Skypack and the flexibility and pluggability of it was both its like superpower and also just the fact that it was really hard for us to tell a story like that was compelling. We just didn't really own enough of your stack to do that. Um, so Astro was a chance for, well, we actually do want to be more opinionated everywhere where we get stuck is when we're trying to be less opinionated or more pluggable. So we just went full, like we're web developers. We have thoughts about web development. Let's take some opinions and, you know, build what we'd want to see kind of full top to bottom in a web tool. I kind of think of it as a, or at least maybe the term meta framework has, has come out a little bit in the way of like how React is the framework, but Next is the meta framework. Yeah. Or Vue is the framework and Nuxt is the meta framework. In the case of Astro, there's not really as clear of a connection of that, except for that Astro is more Next or Nuxt-like than it is like React, clearly, especially because the output of Astro is you've really tried to be really clear with your messaging that it produces JavaScript-free sites. I mean, clearly you can write JavaScript as well, but by default, JavaScript gets stripped away. But you're still kind of authoring in a JavaScript-like way. That's what's compelling to me. Sorry to to jump around too much, but I think of Astro as slightly like a meta framework and that you get the advantages of, of building a site in a JavaScript JavaScript-like way, meaning that you get to build in components, and these components can fetch their own data, and these components can call other components, and that to me feels like this really, like the the correct modern way to build any kind of website, and uh, and that's what Astro does. But it but it I don't know how big of a deal this is to the world. It seems like a big deal to me, although. Well, let's see how it plays out in the future. The fact that Astro, like you can bring your React components, you can bring your Svelte components, you can bring your Vue components into the to the Astro party, right? Yeah, I mean, my hot take on all of this is just that, like, that's not that radical. If you talk to anyone who doesn't live in like the super modern JavaScript, like Next.js world of, I choose React and everything's React, like. Talking to WordPress developers, it's like, yeah, I like add a framework to my front end, and what, what, how else would I do it? Like, we actually borrow a lot more, I think, from like the Hugos and Jekylls and Elevendies, where, you know, I think the reason we've never used the term meta framework is like site builder is more what you would call those, and I feel like meta framework came up because it sounded cooler, and site builder sounds like lame and boring, mm. um, but yeah, it's the thing that helps you build the you know, the foundation of your site that everything else kind of stems from. Right. Foundationally, like meaning like routes, even like what are the, the URLs? And yeah. So like the very kind of like, you know, quick pitch of what we're trying to do conceptually is can we bring, you know, if SBAs are kind of like they've had a decade of maturity, like Next.js is great software, um, but 
the like static site story has really just been like a lot of old technology hanging around and just hasn't seen the same mm-hmm. investment. There's like it, it would be impossible for there not to have been a cool story for them to have taken over the last 10 years. So if like the SPA story is in its like later innings, like I think the multi-page app story is kind of just kicking off. So there's a ton of investment to do here. I think we're just getting started to see what's possible. And I think React server components and a bunch of other new technologies are showing that betting on the server is not a bad idea. Maybe going full client was not the right path to have taken over the last decade. There's clearly limitations to that that we're seeing now. Uh, Okay, interesting. I mean, we should spend time there because that seems like a pretty big, meaty thing. So the Astro that I got to know over the last couple of years was like, it makes a ball of static files. And then that opens the door to shipping that thing on this whole new generation of web hosts like whatever, like Netlify, like Cloudflare Pages, like DigitalOcean's app platform or whatever, even though they all have differences and they all support different things. Anywhere that you can host a ball of static files, you can host what Astro spits out, which is fantastic, right? So you get to, you get to be in the Netlify party and I have, enjoy all the DX that they give you too. So I get all the DX from Astro and another pile of DX from Netlify and I'm <laughs> yeah. living large. It's the best, you know? yeah. It really is great. But it also is like, okay, the sites that you can build that are entirely a ball of static files, like the ones I have in production, they do nothing fancy. It's just some content on a page, just a brochure site, as it were, are like not, you know, that's some slice of the web, but not super duper big because it's now starting to mean and you know this is this is just me talking here but that 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 jam stack word that that netlify invented that that seemed to have a lot of traction i feel like astro's part of that cuz it just it, it just is and then but jamstack is starting to mean to me not just static it means there's something dynamic going on also and i don't know what the word is for the ones that are absolutely just static only but to me, Jamstack almost means like, oh, there's at least a little bit of dynamic something going on. Auth, or it grabs the content from somewhere, it does something. And so their answer to that, generally, industry-wide has been, well, Lambdas then, or little baby <laughs> cloud functions to do something. Use those. And, that, and that's been pretty neat. But maybe they don't all have to be lambdas. Maybe the time has come to to just rely on servers a little bit more. And I guess that was a part of your launch week on Tuesday. That the announcement was Astro can support SSR, meaning server side rendering, mean, meaning that if there's a server available, those Astro components can take advantage of that server and generate from that. Right. Yeah. Oh, my, I have so much, so many thoughts on this, probably more than we can get into here. Um, I actually give a talk, a very sleep deprived rambly talk, but a talk on like, <laughs> what is jam? I was asked to do like the jam.dev, I think it was, and close out there. Like I was going to do this whole thing and it was like going to be a sales pitch on Astro. And like, as I was trying to like, okay, let me make sure I'm understanding Jamstack. Like I get the J and the A and the M, but like, yeah. let me double check that Astro is Jamstack. And like, you go to like any definitive, like what is Jamstack website? I think there's like jamstack.wtf maybe. There's like a bunch of them. And like uh-huh. all of them over the last couple of years have been like, so we don't really know what Jamstack is anymore. Like a lot of people are claiming their Jamstack and like, I don't know. Like the definitive sites are just kind of like, I don't know. You, you tell us. 
Um, I don't know if Jamstack is really in a definitive place. Yeah, it's not really. That's why I'm, I, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's why it's nice for the people to take it and and start start having an opinion about yeah, what it is. Viva la revolution de yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian Rinaldi said it a lot better than me. His blog post is actually, wait, like, save some time and just read that because he kind of concisely boiled it down to, like, what is going on and do we feel comfortable just saying that, like, you know what, Jamstack is a cool idea, but, like, it doesn't have to be a purist take because what you end up with is just pushing way more work than you should to the client in some key circumstance. So, like, a marketing site, like, yeah, that can be totally static. An e-commerce site, like, well, now the client is, like, checking before they can show anything, are these shoes in stock? Like, we're requesting data fully on the client. Like, that's not a great experience either. Um, I think mm-hmm. we're past the point where Jamstack purity makes sense for all use cases. I think the nuance is starting to have to come into the picture because otherwise you're just pitching something that doesn't scale to large sites. And if you can't scale, like, it's not a good methodology. Like, you're just hurting your users when they get to that stage. So if we try to focus in on, like, one thing. Let's say all it does is need to – there's no auth, although the auth thing is interesting, and I think we can get to that. But it's just, like, you load a page, and this particular website has 20,000 pages. So there's very few static site generators that are putting up good numbers for 20,000 pages. Yeah. It's and pretty the, brutal. Right. Yeah, it's a little brutal, and maybe that will improve. But, like, it's also, like, a weird feels – it just feels weird, like a waste of electricity or something to, like, type a, an exclamation point and watch your whole site rebuild, you know. And I know there's – what are the incremental rebuilding and stuff that, that can help. But it's like, ugh, you know, what a lot. And then you're, like, you push it and you break cash on 20,000 yeah, pages, yeah, yeah. too. And it's just kind of these, like, yeah, I don't like it. So so maybe WordPress had it right, you know. <laughs> Not really, but, I mean. Whatever. That's a that's a loaded statement to make. <laughs> just moving back, just stepping away yeah, from the yeah, camera. Yeah. Why can't a freaking blog post yank its content or be dynamically generated from a server and just spit itself out? Like, and that requires no no fancy dancing. And where, wherever that data lives is is irrelevant in a way. It could come from Contentful or it could come from some key value store sitting somewhere, whatever, who cares? But just request it quick, th- slap it in a template and serve it like it's SSR, you know? And so that's, to me, is a little obvious, right? And now it's so cool to see that your that Tuesday announcement be like, dude, an Astro page, you already are kind of doing that. You have these fences at the top of an Astro file, three little dashes. You, you write code up there that's JavaScript, but like server-side JavaScript. And for now, I spent all of these years thinking, oh, that's just, it's JavaScript that runs during the build. It was a very easy mental leap to understand that that's what Astro is doing. If you console.log something up there in an Astro, file, you better go look in your terminal, not the browser, because that's a different place that you're going to see that output. That was a little bit of a mental shift, but I think people made it and they get it and they actually kind of like it. I do. But now you're saying it doesn't have to run during the build. It can run whenever. It can run on a server. And that's like, it requires no mental leap to get there. You're like, oh yeah, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's very clearly been on our minds since the early days, you know, We've been a static site generator. For... I didn't see it, though. I, you <laughs> saw it. I was well, like, oh. Like a hopeful, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool? Like, we just always had it in mind. And there was a bunch of refactoring over the last three months when we knew we wanted to go this route. Um, so, 
there were some pains along the way to get here, but now like it just maps so nicely. Yeah, the most controversial thing that Astra does is pitch its own component syntax, which we understand that's controversial or just you know a big at lift, but we try to make it familiar to anyone. So if you've used Svelte or Vue, it feels a lot like that with like a setup script being the code fence. Um, if you use yeah, React you or do Preact, something. it's like the code that runs before the JSX and then the template is the JSX. Um, but we really try and be much more HTML focused than J- JSX, which I know is like a pretty small distinction, but I think it comes out in a lot of interesting ways when you start to actually use the command. Like you can use an HTML comment in your template. Like it's HTML more than it is JavaScript. Yeah, that's like um, the HTML forwardness, I think was the thing that like, lit up my eyes just because like we you know you're just like oh that's just html i just write that and then i can sprinkle in some scripts at the top i thought that was cool and kind of back to like the 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 like the the aging javascript frameworks or, or meta frameworks it's just all the like ssg stuff the server-side generating stuff a lot of those frameworks were like that that was sort of bolted on it was sort of like Oh yeah, yeah, we can do that totally. Like we, yeah, like somebody <laughs> who doesn't actually know how to do it, but we'll just like fake it till they make it. Um, they're like, yeah, yeah, we do, we totally do that. And um, I think your like Astro, the way it came out was just very much like, oh, we we kind of are only like server side generation, but now this cool. I don't know, SSR. And it's taking my brain, Chris and I were talking about it before the show, it's taking my brain a bit to grasp the SSG and SSR, the differences there. But yeah, d- um, doesn't SSR, like if you're doing the Venn diagram thing, like SSR encompasses SSG to me, but it's almost like the, the industry's almost decided to split them instead. Be like, no, 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 no. Let's just think of them as two different things. The galaxy brain take is that they're exactly the same. It's just a question of when that build runs and like, what do you consider caching? Like build ahead of time and then deploy that is not that different from build immediately after deployment and cache it. Like if you have a CDN, which Netlify and Vercel and all the big players kind of mm-hmm. give you now for free, that question becomes at least at a technical level, way more muddled. So like before runtime, after runtime or like on demand. Yeah. Pre-demand, on demand. But it, like imagine a world where you deployed your site and then hit every route before any user ever got to it and like warm the cache, that's essentially the same exact user experience. So I'm not, yeah. that's, that's simplifying a very complicated topic, but it kind of shows how much it can be simplified now with the CDN prevalence. We ended up doing that. We, we were building a Nux site for a client and we thought, you know, they were like, oh, it's only like 12 pages. We were like, sure, this is great. Or 600. Oh, okay, that's fine. We have 600 posts. Uh, no, no, it was like in the order of like 20,000 because they had all these like just little like quotes collected, and we were just like, ah, oh, that's all. And so, like, we had like 45 minute build times. Oh, no. oh. It was a it was a next site, you know, and it was just like, well, this isn't gonna work because our S3 bills through the roof, and so we ended up just using a server instead, you know, and so and and it has me, and I did this sort of the same thing on. The, an app I'm working on now, it's like I backed out of like the full Jamstack, you know, serverless functions only, client side only. And I've gone to the more like, hey, having a server is kind of cool because <laughs> stuff happens on the server. Secrets don't leak. It's great. Uh, and these secrets stay secret, I think is the, uh, <laughs> I think I heard Remix say the other day. Uh, and that's just great. I don't know. Um, 
I, it has me longing for like more these flavors of using JavaScript, using modern tech in kind of a server side way. So yeah, I'd say the big like our big take on that is you know if we're talking about Jamstack, I think we are probably the best case, like the best version of a non purist take on Jamstack where our default is still static site. So you spin up your starter Astro, it's going to be a static site generator. When you're ready for it, add the adapter for your host of choice. It's like a one-line add. And then you now have a fully server-rendered site. And it's only more features unlocked, so it's really not a breaking change for you to make mm. the move. It's harder to go backwards, but to make the move forwards, it only unlocks new features. It's a pretty undisruptive change based on what we've seen. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Memberful. Memberful is software to help you sell memberships to your audience. Like, what would your business be like? Do you need to build this? This is an awesome way to build a business. But Memberful is for you, the developer, to build this. It's a whole package of tools to make you know, building whatever kind of membership business you want to build possible, you know, and it handles all the hard stuff, you know, it'll take payments with Stripe for secure payments, you know, you don't want to write that from scratch, use Memberful to help with it. There's a full on GraphQL API, which user is it? What access level do they have? All that type of stuff. Webhooks, OAuth, single sign-on, you know, how do you, you're going to have to build a a login process and account creation process. Why write all that from scratch? It's just built into Memberful, this complete package for dealing with membership stuff. It's so great. Let's say the home base of your website is WordPress. There's a best-in-class WordPress plugin so that you can control who's able to see what and where the upsells are and all that stuff. Really tremendous. Handles all those transactional emails, so much of that. It's just everything all bundled together. You can get started for free. There's no credit card required. Just think about it. Like If you're a smart developer, you're not writing all this stuff from scratch. You're leveraging other software that does what it does best so that you can build the integration of a membership website perfectly. Thanks for the support. Memberful. I didn't realize that's how it worked. So is that if I have a totally static site and all I do is add an adapter, it will stop statically site generating? Yeah, for now. I think we still want some idea of a per-page basis, but mm. right now it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. Okay, interesting. Well, and that's probably tricky because it changes per platform, right? Like the way AWS or, or whoever Amplify and Netlify do ISR different. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. dude, these it's, adapters can be no joke. They must be very <laughs> complicated, aren't they? I mean, one thing that helps, though, I mean, we support like everything from a node server running an instance all the way to like an edge function, like an edge worker. So, like, we kind of run the gambit. It's easier than you think to do all that because you just kind of target the most restrictive and then work backwards. So Which is and, almost surely a Cloudflare worker, yeah. right? Oh my God. There's like size limits, there's like every sort of limit imposed on that. Um, but Getting it all into one JS file with no dependencies is just something that will always run on Node as well. So that was mm. probably the hardest thing, but that's our output now. So everything else can kind of flow from there. It's still a ton of work. Matthew Phillips on our team has been just working hard at this for months now, but it's really yeah, that's so off. cool. Because the paradigm is even different too. Like on Netlify, all they give you is little lambda things, right? So how do you do? You combine them into one? Yeah, I think it becomes our like. Yeah, it becomes our router. It becomes our like the SPA in the cloud where it just takes your routes 
and responds to them using our server that's been built. Oh, that's great. It's like an it's like a, one more step because like when Lambdas first came out, it was kind of like okay, I'm gonna like I'm gonna like have a repo that's just my my lambdas and I'm going to manage, I'm going to figure out how to deploy them and stuff. Serverless.com came along and tried to help you deploy them and stuff. You thought of them as little like, I am going to take advantage of these infinitely scaling little bits of stuff. And then Netlify comes around. It's like, don't worry about it. We'll deploy them for you. They're still lambdas, but you still got to put them in a special folder and you got to give them a special name and, and you got to invoke them at this special route. So it's still like a very like, you're still thinking of like what code of mine will become a Lambda. And with this, it's like you're not thinking about that. You just write the JavaScript at the top of the component and the framework figures out where it's going to, where and how it's going to run. So I can't take for credit for this. Like SvelteKit, I think, was probably the first to do this and Remix, I think, followed. It's a really nice model. Like, if we're moving to a post like Node.js dominant world, like it's a really nice model to follow where you can move that complexity into a layer that we get to maintain. We can bring in these hosting partners to like kind of help us out maintaining them. It's a lot better than every user having to set this up themselves. So what do you mean by post node? Does it mean that does it mean that the code that you write could be deployed to a deno thing or something? Or what yeah? Yeah, so we and, you know, similar to Remix, I think we tell a similar story around, like, it's all web standards. Like, the nice thing about this moment, again, early to some things, late to others, but, like, the moment we find ourselves in is, like, every framework is taking standards seriously exactly for this reason. Like, we can now wrap Astro in, like, here's our standard request object, a standard response object, and actually, it's on you, the platform, to provide that to us. And so that lets us put a lot of that standardization work on them. And Cloudflare's, I think, hired a whole team at this point to come closer to standards. Deno started with that idea. So that's a industry trend that we've been able to actually hook onto and kind of bet on. And it means less work for us. Like the world of ExpressJS having its own request and response object is, is kind of fading away. Cool. Interesting. Wow. Um, you all mentioned one thing that I would love to go back to because I think it's kind of the key to unlocking all this, or it has been in my head, which is, um, you talk about the component syntax being like kind of hard to grasp, but when you get it, it makes sense. Um, the big thing that I think our big bet, like our, our big take on this is that if you look at all the frameworks and like in that space where it's Next.js took React, SvelteKit took Svelte, Nux took Vue, am I missing any? You know, everyone took React know. if you look at, you know, Blitz and Gatsby. Um, but that is retrofitting a client-side API that was designed for client-side UI and interaction and reactivity down to the server, which is an easier environment. So it, it kind of maps easy enough, but you're now you thinking in a UI and thinking in a language that was originally designed for the client. So you get a nice win with like it's one language, but you're paying this cost of like, if you've looked at how SvelteKit or Next.js work, everything's in a function. You're like living in G JavaScript world. Um, you have to think about rendering. You have to think about, you know, your get server side props and mm -hmm. SvelteKit, you've got this, you know, what if I export something? You have this whole language that's designed for reactivity that you are now running in a server where there is no reactivity. And it's just unnecessary overhead in the language. That's the big mental shift that Astro introduces, which is if you could design a, la a language from scratch for the server, it would be like 90% dramatically simpler than every other UI front-end framework exists today. Because you don't need to worry about reactivity. You're never re-rendering a second time. You're just like running the code in the front matter. You're making a database call directly in it. You don't have to like fake this API that's like only for your you know framework's requirement. 
you can make these database calls directly and just like render the page. It's like all linear. You throw a top level away, throw a fetch, like it's all just happening in one really flat linear way. That's the model that like just kind of clicked once we saw it. like, oh, that's that's what's special here. I'm not even sure if we like knew that that's what we were getting at, but like, oh, that is just 90% simpler. You probably knew a little bit because there's, there's astro-specific fetch calls. Don't you have like, that's what you are supposed to use is like astro.fetch content and yeah, stuff that's, like that. Right? We've actually, that was one of the big breaking changes we made right before. It's like astro.glob now. It's essentially just a helper for globbing files. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely some sugar we're throwing in there. Like just throwing a weight on that, you're going to get back all the markdown files in a folder and create a table of contents, create an index. You know, you can just kind of do whatever you want. Yeah, I'm glad that exists because I was, I tried to, this is not a dig. This is more a dig at my own intelligence, but I was going to, I was going to build one of the sites I have on Astro. I tried to do in SvelteKit first and because, just because, you know, that's was my whole, my point wasn't, let's get the site done. My point was, let's learn about technology. I have a technology show. I should probably have a little experience <laughs> with different technologies. And there didn't seem to be a little helper like that because I think that's a type of site. There's a whole swath of sites in the world where my content is in markdown files and I need to get my hands on it to build out the site, to template it out. And it seems like that's <laughs> there should be like very direct helpers for that kind of thing in frameworks. And in Astro, it was like one of the first APIs documented. And I was like, oh, thanks. That's just what I need. I don't know I why mean. every other framework is so afraid to just be like, here's what we're good at and here's what we're not. Like, that's our whole thing. Like, if you're building, and I, I'm trying to find a way to get this idea out there without sound like I'm, I'm not trying to speak for other frameworks. But like, if you're building something that's on like the content side versus the interactive dynamic side, like... If you're building a dashboard or like a web portal that like users sign into, it's all data flowing around and like really stateful and heady and JavaScript, like you need that JavaScript, like don't use Astro. Just don't use it. Like you're you're probably going to have a bad time, like maybe one day, but like not anytime soon. Um, I wish more frameworks were just upfront about that. It, and maybe it's because they actually want to be everything to everyone. But it's one of our favorite parts about Astro is that by focusing on this, like, yeah, Markdown Glob Helper was a no brainer. Uh Integrated sitemap generator. Mm. And so content-based sites are a little more palatable for Astroland. Yeah, like anything I'd say from like this really static marketing site to like blog, even if it has a bunch of data, like it's still like we're going to mm-hmm. do really well. All the way up now with SSR to e-commerce, I'd say it's like that's mm-hmm. kind of where we draw the line. If you're going to start building like a Facebook or like a like a Figma, like don't, probably don't use Astro. Yeah. But everything before that, like the performance story is killer because you probably care about first page load. Um, the ease of development is peculiar. If you're an agency working in this, like you can just crank out an Astro page super easily and you can bring in the complexity where you want it versus the complexity of a UI framework being the only language you can speak. That makes a lot of sense. So that's, that's actually one of the questions I had, like, what are the limitations? I feel like people try to bucket what, what Astro can do. And I was kind of curious, like if you had, I was curious what, how you felt about the limitations, like. So like e-commerce is sort of the the like you're getting towards the end of it sort of yeah on the spectrum. I think where people fall down on like what your limitations are is like you could build Figma in Astro. It'd be really weird, but you could do it. And I think people see that and they say like, "Oh cool, so like why would I tell people not to use Astro then? That's a user that I'm saying goodbye to." But you know, it's that classic you try and make everyone happy, you're going to make no one happy. Um Mm-hmm. I'd say that, yeah, anything where you start to, if you imagine that as a spectrum between content focused versus like interaction focused, um, we can kind of get to the middle. I've, if e-commerce is in the middle, you can, I'm, I'm making my mental model very clear right now. There's like 
a spectrum and e-commerce in the middle because it's kind of that perfect balance of like there's content, but it's really dynamic content and the user is trying to interact with that content. So you're kind of right in between the two. Mm-hmm. That's where I'd say we start to that's like that's as far as we want to go. Like if that's as far from the content side of things to the interactive side of things that we get, like we're happy. It makes sense to start pushing the the Astro component syntax hard now, I think, because it's like, yeah, sure, you can bring your React component, but like why? Then you don't have the you don't have the fences at the top, so you can't do the server side stuff unless you inject some weird API. I'm assuming you're not going down that road. And then also, like, people use React because I can put an on-click handler on my button, which will not work in Astro unless <laughs> I um, tell it to do the client load or whatever, use one of those, the, the syntax that tells Astro, oh, actually, I do want yeah. JavaScript on this on this particular page. And then the second you're doing that, you're pretty much just building a React site then. I mean, I know it's an island, and maybe if you just have one or two of them, it's still, like, the efficient way to go. But if you find yourself using React components and telling it to load on the client side for all your components, that's probably not the world's greatest framework for you. You should probably use Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's where we're in a unique place because we've acknowledged that limitation. We could be like, yeah, Next, we love Next. It's, like, it's really good at that other side of the spectrum that we're not trying to tackle. Like, the Hello World blog is just going to pay a huge performance cost. But it the will. super dynamic yeah. application is going to like have all these cool features that are about building applications. Like, I, I think it's maybe the more nuanced take on like, oh, are we building websites or web apps? Like, they're two different mm. things. Maybe it's a spectrum, but I do think there's truth to like the best thing for a blog or a huge content e-commerce site is probably not going to be the best thing for a Figma. And I think we all need to probably acknowledge that as users. I don't know, man. I feel like the app shell of Figma could mostly just be statically rendered, but yeah, maybe I'm giving ourselves not enough credit. I mean, that's the joke of Astro. Anything can be an island, including your entire page. So just throw Figma as a single React component and go from there. (laughs) Figma. (laughs) Capital F. Figma. Figma. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Closing slash. Object. (laughs) That's good. Uh, So, okay. I have another question. So we're, People who are using Astro, customers, we'll call them, uh, are they, um, do you see a lot of people kind of using, importing their whole like React design system and then spitting out a static site based on that? Or is it kind of more people are doing kind of greenfield, blue sky stuff? Or is it what, how, I guess, are people, because in theory, you can just use your components and I could just spit out a new static site. So is that how people are using it or is it kind of working out different? It's it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's, we, again, in our kind of like borrowing from all the frameworks that we love, like we do file-based routing, we do, um, God, what else? Like if you're building a static site, there's this very similar get static paths. Like we've taken a lot of inspiration. So if you're coming from certain meta frameworks, you'll like, you'll feel at home. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we see definitely greenfield projects. I think what we see the most is people recreating their site in Astro, but very quickly describing every UI component that they can from the old code base. Like migrating a page from next to Astro is possible, but it's more of a like, okay, you're kind of changing the way you think of data loading and getting props. But like that button component, like that's a one-to-one map. Um, So if you're migrating, just bring that in Astro and it will almost certainly run uh, in Astro on its own. So that's a huge migration story. It's not a small market. I don't think because it's like show me a content focused framework that you build in components in because there's 
the the PHP CMSs of the world are huge and dominant, and you add them all together, and it's a huge swath of the web. And none of them are component based DX. And that has won. Sorry, it's just better. It's just a better way to craft websites and digital products of any kind. So it's like, as much as I like, like, I like SSR, I like a good CMS, I like the management of that, I like, there's just so much I like about the WordPress in Friends of the World, they don't have a component authoring story unless you like are, you know, piecing crap together. And I get it. There's probably production WordPress as a CMS, Astro as a front end sites out there. I don't like love that story. I don't think it's, I think it's like trying to fix something that isn't great, you know? And I, I just think maybe now that there, that's going to be a shift that, that happens, that there's going to be this like we should be building our content sites out of components too, and maybe Astro is the way to do it, you know? I don't, I don't, I don't even know. No, it's all like it's all part of that story where like, we spend so much time arguing about these like really JavaScripty things, and then the rest of the world is still like short codes are, are the move, right? Like short codes one. <laughs> it's like oh no, like we're speaking. To, I mean, Chris, I feel like your like great divide article is still something I think about every day or reference back to. Like if you imagine, yeah, I, I was trying to use this analogy. Like if there's if there is a chasm, like we're trying to kind of be that bridge of like no, like come see all this cool stuff. Like there's a way to bring that into a model that still fits how you think of a WordPress or a PHP site or a Rails site. Like, the pessimist's take on Astro, if you squint really hard and look at our syntax, like, oh, you just built PHP. Like, there's my code, there's my template, it's all mixed together. You know, as long as you don't say that in a tone that's like, okay, come on, be be kind. But, like, we're mm-hmm. proud of that. Like, it's it's a model. PHP was awesome, you know? You just call, like, email in PHP and send an email. Like, that's super cool. PHP was the best. Right. But the Astro isn't isn't that weird of it. It's like it's like it's it's almost like it's like PHP. It's like but but just put your PHP at the top, yeah, <laughs> and then exactly. the template at the Structure, bottom. Yeah, um, I'd say that was maybe like so. If the whole industry, which I think I say this like it's a definitive thing, I think we're still figuring it out. But if the whole industry is the like pendulums shifting back to like server work is good actually, um, and we should probably do more of it because not every user is on a device that can handle all this JS. If that's where we're going, then I think the mistake has been that, like, oh, well, that means, you know, Laravel, um, Rails, um, oh, God, what are the other? Like, these server languages can't be JavaScript. And I think maybe that's where we find ourselves. Like, well, why couldn't Rails just be written in JavaScript and be more familiar to a web? Like, one of the coolest things about, like, the universal app is, like, I'm a developer who knows JavaScript and HTML, and I can build anything. Like, that's a superpower. And I think that audience, if we're going to move back to the server why wouldn't they want a server-focused language that they felt familiar and comfortable with versus having to go learn PHP or Ruby or uh, yeah. Elixir? It's not about, like, avoiding learning something, but it like it kind of is, especially if that lingo is, is fully capable. And if it turns out that, you know, Deno gets popular too, it's, it's also, like, real secure and safe and stuff, and it runs fast, and there's all this, like, cloud infrastructure running that can run it too. And it's like, dude, rock and roll. It's like JavaScript ain't that bad. Oh, yeah, I... I... I, I, hope, I hope that comes across as love for JavaScript and not like, oh, I'm lazy. I hate learning. Like the NPM ecosystem is available to you. Like you can't say that in any other, other language. Like, yeah, there's just so much that you can gain from that consistent universal story without shipping all the work to the client. And that's that's where we find ourselves in. Well, and, and you end up doing double work. I think that's people don't understand because like I'm doing an app, right? And it's a Nuxt. 
uh, I like Nuxt. I'm not throwing it under the bus, but you know, I go, you know, it's just a page that lists out posts, right? Okay. I got to go get the post from the database, but I can't have the machine that talks to the database inside the, the view in the client side JavaScript. So I just going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to make another machine, a, a whole other middleware that goes and talks to the thing. Cause that's the, and then, so now my thing talks to the middleware that it talks like, I'm just like, Oh man, if this was an Astro, I'd just <laughs> like one, I'd yeah, have half the files. It right. And it would probably be simpler just cause it would just be like, you know, less abstractions, less whatever. It'd just be like, go get it's the a responsibility thing. Like there was, you need that particular component's responsibility is to do some posts. So m- write the code to get the posts in that component. But it doesn't mean you, it, but you could also do it on any parent on the way up too, right? Which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. It can move the responsibility. But that's what I like about the styling too. That component also has a responsibility to look a certain way on the page. Guess where you write those styles? Right there in that component. That's just a good idea you know yeah we love that single file component idea so we're yeah it's like all these things like all these frameworks have such great ideas but they're like wrapped up in this more complicated than needs to be templating language and on the other side of things you just have like handlebars and like nunjucks and it's like oh like that's its own set of like cool things you can do but limitations also and yeah we're trying to bridge that gap oh i was gonna say the single file template it reminds me and longtime listeners of shop talk show will know of html imports a little bundle of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, all living together cohesively to build a page. <sighs> I was Just, I was on the Polymer team. I'm I'm deeply, <laughs> deeply <laughs> scarred and uh, aware of yeah. HTML imports oh, were a thing. It was. It's you're you're living the dream. I guess is what I want to say. <laughs> and um, it's going to take a while for everyone to catch back up. I love that CSS was the the OG there, you know, of the three main l- web languages. JavaScript only just got a way to import other JavaScript, really. HTML still doesn't, but CSS, yeah. baby, we've had Im- ad import for a hot long time. Having been on the team, the, like, snarky, like, take that actually makes a ton of sense is every other language can import itself. HTML, the thing that is used to reference other things, is the only thing that now can't import itself. Why? And that makes... That's fair. That's just fair. I don't. I don't get it. It's it's a crime. <laughs> it's it, a crime. It, yes, HTML links the entire web of content. Mm-hmm. The, the wealth of human knowledge in existence in its entirety, but it can't link to another file of its own type. I got a CSS Tricks blog post about like the, you know, with like 18 ways of doing HTML includes because I definitely came up during this time of even making little brochure sites where one of the jobs was, hey, it's a five page site, but it's got to have the same header and footer. The navigation is repeated on all the pages. That will never change on the web. <laughs> Astro has its own way of solving that. You make a nav component and you import it and use it. But freaking every site on the internet needs this. Needs a way to import the So what do people do? I don't know. They they make crazy decisions. They'll, they'll run PHP just just because the language PHP has an include statement in it. Or they'll run a SSG statement kind of thing because you know, Nunjux has an include thing. Pug has an – those are old languages, but, they're, but they have that one thing that people need to do. On CodePen, we have a way to do it that we just invented because it was like, oh, people, you know, obviously they need to import stuff. So in HTML and CodePen, you can write three angled brackets. 
or uh, not angle, the, the square, square ones. Square Square, square, yeah. square. And then you put the URL of another pen and then it goes square, square, square at the end. And it'll suck the HTML of that other pen and put it in place where you do that. So we have our own little processor to do that just because it's such an obvious need, you know? So code pen powered by Astro when? <laughs> hey, yeah. hey. We almost need to go the other way around, you know, start supporting Astro. Don't worry. <laughs> nice. It's coming. We got to it's a it's a whole thing. There's a I play with the alpha every day. Nice. I hey. love that. Uh, I so I have a question. Given your experience in ESM life, that lifestyle, uh do you think there's a no bundle future like where where we don't do bundles. We just ESM our life. See, if HTML imports are your like baggage that you carry, like that story is definitely mine. I, I still love it. I, I don't know. I, I think it's always going to be harder to do. I think unless you have a really cool caching story, like we were trying to do with Skypack, you're always going to be competing with the fact that your network story is just a lot harder. I think you have to tell the caching story for that to make sense. So if you're a super dynamic site and users are moving around it, the more you break it down, the more high fidelity your caches. Like the story we try and tell is that we actually try to cache by component on the page. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing about island architecture is that you're not you're no longer thinking like, okay, here's all the JS for your page and let's bundle it all together. You're thinking like here's the three islands on this page, the components that need interactivity, and then here's the five on this page and the ten on that page. And by treating those components as the entry point, we're now like one level deeper. Like instead of having to do one big page that then has to like kind of copy paste mm-hmm to share anything like you're either bringing it into that main bundle or you're splitting it out. And that's just like a little bit of a, at the end of the day, bundling is just about like amount of copy paste versus amount of efficiency over the wire. Um, or I should say duplicate code instead of copy paste. Um, wow. that's, yeah, yeah. I think you have to tell that story. You have to have a site where like, no, we care about the user's second request. And the fact that when they make that second request, they already have X percent of the JavaScript cached away from the first and evaluated because mm, the yeah. like most naive way to like gamify um, lighthouse is to just throw it all into a single JavaScript file that then on your second page, you're loading an entirely different JavaScript file that has 90% duplicate code. Your lighthouse scores are going to be great. Your user experience is going to be terrible. So maybe mm. we're missing the right tooling to tell that story. I, I don't know, but we don't seem to be there yet. No, it's a, well, and then like, I think you get a, so many gains still from bundling minification, obviously, uh, like just less requests, maybe tree shaking. Like I can get just one part of one thing. But let's assume less requests just doesn't matter, right? Like if we're thinking of the future, is there a future where requests absolutely stop mattering? Yeah. So the, the network's come a long way. We have H3 now, which is really good at like, I, no one's ever told me I'm wrong on this. This is my understanding. If someone is like, please correct me on this. But like mm-hmm. H3 is really cool because it actually parallelizes requests. So if you think of like, like who's that old senator? Like the internet is a series of tubes. If you think of your connection Al to Gore. a domain as a tube, like you H three lets you spin up as many tubes as you want to like parallel like pull these things down. And if one blocks, it's not actually blocking the other ones. It's like really cool technology. What ends up now being the problem is well, you're not actually getting like compression benefits. Like each of those is individual, so you're compressing them individually. That's always going to be less efficient than compressing them all as one artifact. Like you have to like mm. somehow agree on a compression key ahead of time that they can all share but like how do you it's just not there yet it's i you know it's because i you know the common like 
rebuttal to like, I just want to use the JavaScript framework <laughs> and not care about performance is like, well, the user is willing to wait or like my, it's an app. They're on long sessions. So it's great. And I just, my brain this week, I just was like, well, if you don't care how long the user waits, <laughs> like just serve ESM, don't even bundle. Like don't, yeah. don't, maybe that's your play. I don't Why were you, why are you doing all that work? If you don't care, if they don't care, if they really That's don't care. That's a good care, point. Yeah. Like, why are you doing all that work? If you open up the Facebook DevTools, there's a lot of individual requests to JavaScript going on as you're moving around the page. I wonder how close they are to that already in their, like, obfuscated Facebook way. Just kind of like, hey, if you bounced over this, we're just going to go fetch the marketplace mm. or whatever. And so. Again, it just comes down to what are you optimizing for? Yeah, I think there's a compelling... If you really care about the long session use case, there's a really compelling story to the... Don't bundle at all today. I think you yeah, can make interesting, that case. interesting, right? I, I just, yeah, it hit me today. I just was like, if you don't care, then don't do it. Like, don't, like, don't chase. Yeah, there's a heck of a lot of people that say they don't care, but still have this complicated-ass webpack set up. Yeah, we're doing quadruple backflips just to get a freaking page on the internet. And you're like, mm. don't. Let's draw the line back from that to that original, <laughs> like, you don't need webpack anymore post where, like, flame war of the century for me <laughs> just to yeah. get that idea with a question mark out there and now five years yeah. later we're having a very serious discussion on this podcast like maybe you don't need it at all not even a better tool like any tool. what are the other things so compression is one of them but let's say but the problem there is that you're worried about what goes over the pipes is there a is there a if we're really being futuristic can we imagine a, an internet that's just so freaking smoking fast that who cares about that I, compression's the big one, and I don't think there's any proposed solution to it, which is why it's kind of the big one. Um, after that, though, you know, the whole thing, I mean, so the other thing that's helped a lot is frameworks are starting to take preload headers seriously, which is the idea of, in a world of unbundled or even just more unbundling, like smaller bundles, the problem then becomes, well, your browser gets the first file, it sees the imports, it gets the second file that was imported, it sees those imports, it gets the, that's like a pretty piecemeal process. It has to evaluate load, evaluate load, versus one bundle, it all comes in at once, it all evaluates at once, no more loads, good to go. Um, we don't actually do this as well as we should, as, as well as we will by the V1 launch, but I know V, I think maybe by default, a lot of these new frameworks are taking this really seriously, where preload headers tell the browser on the first page load, like, hey, we've already analyzed the page, we know what's going to come down the pipe, we know what that fifth step import is down that chain, we're just going to give you headers to load them all from scratch. And like now when we go to resolve it, they'll all be in memory. So you kind of re preload headers are cool. <laughs> that's that's doing a lot of the work there. So you mentioned 1.0 again. This, that is beta right now. Astro 1.0 beta is available. You said the probably June, you said, for the kind of... Beta this Monday, this previous Monday was announced. And the uh, official V1 release date is June 8th. So June we did 8th. a lot of work to get all the breaking changes in. Like we're really just in polish mode at this point. Um, we're feeling confident. And you're making, you know, the good call that a 1.0 is meaningful. 11D went through that recently. I think they took a little longer to get there, but God bless them, they got it. And it, it, in a way, it's it's marketing, right? But it's a good, it's a. But if you're honest about it, it's like really good marketing because what you're saying is you can count on stability now. Is that what it's saying? Not just to our users, who I think have at least up to this point, like have had a lot of. They've been really kind of willing to work with us as we make breaking changes. But more I see it as like, well, if you wanted to build a theme or an integration, like why would you do that before V1? Um, or like 
learning materials, like a course. We've had several people reach out like, I want to do an Astro course. It's like, you're just going to regret it. Like, things are going to change in a month. You're going to have to go re-record everything. Okay, so this is you saying it's time for themes, it's time for courses, yeah. it's time for that. Yeah. And we're not going to break any APIs on you, at least not for a hot minute. We have a hackathon that we're announcing, I think, by the time this this uh, post will go out. So you can check that out for building themes and integrations, prizes, the whole thing. Um, a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, like that's that's what this means to us is like we could work on this for the rest of our lives and it would probably never call V1. Um, but we want to cut the line somewhere, commit to this. There will be new fixes and new changes in a V2 and a V3. But yeah, 11D, Svelte Kit, my own work, like it's really hard to cut a V1. It's a meaningful, what, what did React do, right? They're like V0.12, 0.13, 0.14. All right, version 14. Like they just like threw it all out. They couldn't bring themselves to do a V1. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like, is, who else is doing a good good and bad job of, of semantic versioning, you know? What, uh, like, so you mentioned themes, integrations. That's kind of the new feature. There's some really amazing ones, like the Party Town one was jaw-dropping. Um, just so you can, like, off, you just change, like, script source to, like, or type equals text javascript to text party town and all of a sudden that big script is off the main thread beautiful but how uh i guess what integrations do you want to see from like this hackathon and stuff is there what what does astro need what what is what community needs oh god i mean there's there's a couple ways to answer that one is i think ssr just kind of like opened the floodgates in our own minds of like oh this not only is this possible but like this unlocks a lot of stuff probably even as the people who built it, we only see a fraction of it. So um, one of the categories is just like coolest thing built with Astro SSR. Like we just kind of want to see what's possible because I think we are only realizing how big that question is. Um, other than that, integrations and components and themes are kind of just all this bucket of like more things that make it easier to get started with Astro. Um, I mean, integration can be anything from like a CMS. It can be a... Um, a hosting provider. It can be a cool feature like Party Town, which is such a cool project. Um, and then themes, I, I I really hope we have this awesome story around themes where it's not like, oh, cool, clone this repo and now you're stuck on the thing you just cloned or like copy these files into your folder. I think because, again, we're using NPM, we have this really cool package story. I think we can treat themes as packages that you then can get version upgrades. If everything's a component, why isn't your layout just a component that you are the one placing mm. on the page? Juicy. You control the so you pops. don't like mess it up. So because you, you don't download the theme, then alter the theme, and then you're stuck forever. Because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like you can make little patch changes if you fix something with styling, but then you can also like, hey, the new version of this is out. It's a V2. Like you can actually upgrade it. Obviously, it'll probably be some work. It's a breaking change, but like you're not like stuck recloning and. That's a the great dots. idea. Yeah, it's wild it's, that that's no one's done that yet. Well, I don't think I've ever heard of that. No, that's that's awesome. And then you know, because and then this theme, you, you, it would be documentation heavy, right? Because the, the theme would be like, this theme has an Astro slider in it. Nobody yeah. build Astro slider. I'm gonna I'm gonna make that one. It's gonna cost <laughs> thirty bucks too. I'm selling it. I'm gonna make the first paid Astro component. But yeah, I'm sure people will do that, right? There'll be all kinds of uh, little little UI stuff but just written in the Astro way. So that whole bucket is up there. But I, I lo- really like that theme idea. It could be like, this theme provides know. these 15 components. <laughs> yeah, Dave, take it to the side. Chris is I being too nice. I, yeah. So I like that feeling. The the feeling of downloading a zip file yeah. off the internet yeah. from, from some theme site that is only like half in Korean. And then I like to just 
just feel the file. I like to go through each file and rename every file because they're named bad. And then I like to, I really, you know, I feel like you're getting, I feel like you're moving away from that. And I don't think it's good. I don't think I don't think people want Remember to do that. Remember the classic people... PHP one where you'd have the theme elsewhere, and then you have your theme, and if you name the file exactly the same, then your one wins. But if your <laughs> yes. your theme is missing theirs, then it would go in the pull theirs. Oh, can't man, do that, that with NPM. Can't do that. So, <laughs> yeah. Just, but, but Dave, Dave, think about what we're saying. You can import a theme. It's almost like you're importing HTML. Okay. Onto okay. the well, page. Well, uh, all right. I do like I do like importing HTML, so uh, I'll have to give this a look. See, so. yeah, not not to go this like is... super deep back into the like conceptual rabbit hole, but I think that implicit data flow that you just mentioned is something we've seen a lot of in the like static site generator world. And one thing that I love, and maybe I'm like more JavaScript nerd than I care to admit, but like explicit imports are just so nice for tooling. You can follow them, you can command click into them, and see the types and. It's something that I really like. So we really tried to make everything an explicit import whenever possible. There's no like inheritance of this follows here and this follows there. So therefore, they're connected somehow. Um, we're really proud of that. I, it's something I care a lot about hitting, and I'm glad we did. That's awesome. Very cool. I just know somebody's going to make an Astro theme club, and they're just <laughs> going to make a million dollars, and I'm going to be so jealous. You know what? You're so close. You, you, y'all have it very close, but you just need startup template (laughs) (laughs) yeah just whatever has like somebody holding an iphone and then you need um oh there's a couple themes so yeah like the photography one yeah yeah i I will say like this whole hackathon is like we're not owning these like these are your themes like we as much as we can point like right now we have a themes catalog at astro.build slash themes where you can browse the ones where like we love to feature people there like if you want to link to a gumroad or like a patreon instead of a github repo like I don't know. We're not going to stop you. Like, yeah, like open source shouldn't just be like free labor. If, if you want to charge for your work and you think it deserves it and you think people will pay for it, I, we're excited to explore that a bit more because it's something that's just always Just try felt. and stop me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can't put a link to anywhere, but like if that's what you're trying to do, like paid themes are just such a natural part of the web going back decades. <laughs> Yeah, my my OnlyFans. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I sell, I talk about web themes. I talk about yeah, your OnlyFans is not welcome on our so, site. I'm sorry. It is <laughs> it is not popular either on their site. So it's just yeah. So well, cool. Uh, on that uh, note, we should probably wrap it up. Oh, whoops. Hey, well, you got you get, we got so far. Um, all right. Uh, Fred, congrats on the 1.0 beta and uh, all the new features you're launching here. But uh, for people who aren't uh, following you and giving you money, how can they do that? Um, the best place is on Twitter. Astro.build is the project. Uh, Fred K. Shot is my Twitter. Um, they also have some great core maintainers I'll shout out. Uh, Nate Moore, Matthew Phillips, Tony Sullivan, um, Caleb. Ooh, his name's Jacek Park on Twitter, I think. Um, and a bunch of other like awesome like twenty plus maintainers on the project, so all of them deserve a follow. I don't have their handles on hand, but you can join us on Discord to chat with them directly. We have a great community there, astro.build/chat, and um, go to astro.build for all of the launch week stuff. We've got a bunch of cool stuff that you can read mm-hmm. on our blog or Twitter and everywhere. It's been a really exciting week. I'm sad to see it winding down, but I also need some sleep. So, <laughs> fair is fair. Sounds good. 
Well, awesome. Well, thank you uh, again for coming on the show. And thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast your choice. Be sure to start our favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for 16 tweets a month. And we have a YouTube, youtube.com slash Shop Talk Show. Check out that vanity URL. And uh, join us over in the our Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. And Chris, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Well, I suppose we should shout out Ben. He just started over there. He hangs out in our Discord, too. I wonder what will will come of all that 110 slinkity work but i'm sure oh, some ben of that on our project of course yeah ben has been awesome and has a ton of experience bringing that uh, partial hydration to 110 and he's he's also bringing a a level of skill to the uh, announcement videos uh his unparalleled presence the number uh, of is... astronaut helmets on our twitter account video selection has gone dramatically <laughs> it's increased hundreds fold <laughs> props is his uh Props and puns are his, uh, whatever, his special. You all had him on the show, right? Uh, did we did? No, we haven't. Oh, he's a great, yeah, he's a fun interview. I mean, Slinkity's not going away. It's been the fun thing watching him support that. So maybe, maybe one day. All right, everybody. Thanks again. Thanks for listening and shopdogshow.com.